The founding CEO of PayPal calls Bitcoin a scam, while some crypto holders are placing Bitcoin under their skin to keep it secure. The major bank, BBVA, issued a $91 million loan using two blockchains. And we have an exclusive interview with Mr. Tim Draper himself, where he explains why he believes that Bitcoin will hit 250K by 2022. Tim also talks about his new book, How to Be the Startup Hero, a guide and textbook for entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs, and how the context of the book relates to the world of crypto. These exclusive stories and more are the topic of discussion today as Sarah Austin and I break down the latest and greatest crypto and blockchain news. So sit back, relax, grab your favorite snacks, and get ready to listen to episode number 120 of the Bad Crypto Podcast with the Crypto Chicks. Five, four, three, two, one, zero, Who's bad? So let's just jump into the news for this week. All right, let's jump in, Let's jump into it. So the former PayPal CEO calls Bitcoin a scam. Did you hear that, Sarah? I heard this because you told me about it just now, but I think it's pretty embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, me too. It's making headlines. Apparently, um, the founding CEO of PayPal Holdings, Bill Harris, is joining this whole list of Bitcoin critics now, and he's saying that Bitcoin is a complete scam, a colossal pump and dump scheme. And he is saying to be careful, it's gambling and be careful, it's a bubble, it's a scam. So that's what he's saying. It's like, I get it. You're the CEO of PayPal, which is a fintech company. But what makes you, Mr. PayPal founding CEO? I think he's a former PayPal CEO. Yeah, founding Yes. He's the former founding yes. PayPal CEO. Yes. I mean, it's like, okay, mister, what makes you an expert? I know, he's, right. He's old school. He's old school. And I mean, I feel like, you know, PayPal, it's a great service, but I mean, it's an intermediary. It's a third party. It's one of those, um, the, the things that stands in between the whole peer-to-peer system. So in a way, it makes sense for, you know, the guy who, the former founder of PayPal to say that, it's a scam because, you know, they're kind of taking the opposite approach of decentralization. Yeah. I mean, it's like, is he just trying to make PayPal more valuable and scare people away from it? I don't know. But whatever his motivation is, he's definitely against cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. One thing I will say in response to this is, what does he just believe in inflationary models because bitcoin itself is a deflationary economic value model that is, only has so many bitcoins out there so it creates this transparency and this trust i mean how is that a scam it's like inflationary currencies would be more of a scam right well he also wrote he said um In what rational universe could someone simply issue electronic script or just announce that they intend to and create out of the blue billions of dollars of value? It makes no sense. So he's just saying, how how does it make sense for, you know, some random person to start creating all these Bitcoins and having them be worth a unit of value? Well, yeah. And then 
also in this article here, they're quoting the NYU economist Noriel Rabuni as saying Bitcoin is the biggest bubble in human history. But what I think Noriel is missing is that this is not a bubble. This is a revolution. Everyone, it's not a bubble. Yeah. It is bigger than the internet. Yeah. Who are you going to listen to? Some PayPal, former PayPal CEO, or are you going to listen to Tim Draper? Right. I don't know. It's your choice, people. You can do whatever you want. Decide after you hear our interview with Tim. Then let us know what you think. Let us know. (laughs) You can tweet me. I'm at Sarah Austin. And I'm at Rachel Wolf 0 Anyways, moving right along in the news. So um, I was reading recently. So if you guys haven't heard, the MyEther wallet was hacked and a lot of people lost Ether. And basically, it was a DNS hijacking, a very sophisticated attack was launched on my Ether wallet, a bunch of people lost their Ether. And so, you know, basically, the point is, is that deeper security measures need to be taken when protecting cryptocurrencies and digital wallets. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I guess so, yeah. Or but, just don't fall for a scam. Right, don't fall for a scam. But then again, this this was a very sophisticated scam. Yeah, um, it was It was very sophisticated. Yeah. But anyway, so deeper security measures need to be taken. One guy is taking this to the extreme. Talk about deeper security measures. This guy is using a subdermal microchip wallet where he has planted his Bitcoin underneath his skin to keep it safe. Yeah. So he's implanting this device into his skin and it's going to make his Bitcoin apparently more safe. Although I don't really know how safe it is because they said he might get cancer from it. Yeah. So, I mean, I think according to this um, article that we're reading here, this is an FDA approved process but there are studies linking NFC chips to cancer. So the guy is putting Bitcoin underneath his skin to keep it safe, yet he is, I guess, putting himself at risk because now he has a higher chance of getting cancer. Yeah, and it's a near-field communications chip, and it stores 888 bytes of data per chip. And that's enough storage for 26 encrypted Bitcoin address keys. I mean, it's it's not so strange in Sweden. Right, because you were saying um, in Sweden now that workers are actually implanting microchip, microchips, excuse microchips. me, microchips, I can't speak today, to replace cash cards and ID passes. Yeah, so people are getting into their office buildings with, by scanning their wrist. Yeah. It's like the cyborg future is upon us. And now people are thinking it's more safe to put an implant in your skin to hold your Bitcoin keys. But at the same time, that could create a whole new level of crime. Because let's say I put it in here, right? In your in wrist. My wrist. Sarah's pointing to her wrist, everyone. I'm pointing She's to my wrist. putting her Bitcoin into her wrist as we speak. Ah! Rachel, stop. Oh, God. Blood is gushing everywhere. Rachel's cutting my wrist open with a knife. Someone, I'm only trying to protect your Bitcoin, Sarah. Someone call 911. That's the ambulance coming to collect Sarah and her Bitcoin. No, that's the police coming to arrest Rachel. Because right, I'm a murderer. I'm killing you for your Bitcoin. Oh, my gosh. It's so extreme, this guy. 
It's, it's really it, it is there. extreme, but it's funny because it's almost, it reminds me of like when I was eight years old and I went to get my ears pierced at a body piercing place in the mall. Apparently this guy had the procedure done at a body piercing studio. Oh my goodness. I know. It's like you walk into the piercing studio with your Bitcoin and say, Hey, can you please like, you know, implement this under my skin? Yeah. To keep it safe. Yeah, that's pretty weird. It's weird. It's like piercing your ears, but not. Also, doesn't he become a target? Right. To people who might kidnap him to get his Bitcoin? Yeah. I mean, it's it kind of reminds me like, you know, you have the option of being an organ donor. Yeah. Could you have the option now of being a Bitcoin donor when you have your Bitcoin underneath your skin? Yeah, it's only though instead of someone taking your organ because, you know, you died in a motorcycle accident, that people are just going to kidnap you and chop off your arm. Right. Yeah, <laughs> crazy stuff. Anyway, that's new news. That that's crazy news. What else do we have? Oh, speaking of Crypto Rico. <laughs> have you guys heard of Crypto Rico? It's uh we're all of these People are going to form a crypto society. It's kind of like the anarchists are moving to to Puerto Rico to establish their own crypto nation. And if you go there, you can buy everything in crypto. Like all the vendors on the streets are taking crypto. They prefer it. And they're really building a community out there. Brock Pierce has been leading that. Mm. And we'll, we'll hear more from him about it. But what's the news? Yeah, so the latest from Crypto Rico, aka Puerto Rico, is that a blockchain insurance policy is being developed for hurricane prone Puerto Rico. So basically, the firm behind a blockchain protocol for the insurance industry has designed a decentralized policy to cover natural disasters in Puerto Rico, which makes sense because clearly Puerto Rico is uh, very prone to hurricanes. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. So basically, this is a distributed platform, and the new policy will cut premium costs by eliminating the middlemen that are usually involved in the insurance claims process. And it also, since it's on the blockchain, it will provide more transparency um, with every transaction visible for both insurers and residents. That is very Crypto Rico of them. It's it's so Crypto Rico of Puerto Rico to have this insurance-based blockchain thing going on now. Yeah. And it's all, it's very hippie. Very hippie. Yeah. It's like the hippie ethos, you know, coming out, cutting out the middleman. Yeah. I mean, speaking of blockchain technology being used in different industries now, well, I guess being used more for mainstream things. Mm -hmm. I also read that my bank, BBVA, Uh is um, they just just issued a loan of $19 million using Uh two blockchains. Okay. So is that fiat or? Yeah. So they issued, um, the loan was in fiat and they did it using blockchain technology. Oh, okay. Interesting. It's like, what's the difference? That's interesting though. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I just think it's cool that blockchain technology is becoming more mainstream now and we're seeing it in the news, like what Puerto Rico is doing with the insurance policies, what BBVA is doing to issue fiat loans, like fiat US dollar loans, euros. Um, So I mean, it's like Tim Draper said during his interview, blockchain is going to be bigger than the internet. And this is why. Yeah, definitely. 
And without further ado, let's jump right into our interview with the one and only Mr. Tim Draper. Sarah and I are here at Draper University, aka Hero City, to interview Mr. Draper, a man who normally doesn't need an introduction, but for those of you who are unfamiliar with him, he is an American venture capitalist, founder of Draper University, an early Bitcoin investor, author, influencer, and overall superhero. Thank you, Tim, for coming on our show. Great. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Yeah, thank you for joining us, Tim. Yeah, this is terrific. Yeah. Yeah, in your book, The Startup Hero, you write about some definitions of what the hero is, and you specifically talked about how a hero goes long. And in crypto, that's a term we use, hodling, for going long. Did you know that? Well, first, I am thrilled you read my book. And second, yes, I am a holder, hodler, hodler, and, <laughs> and I've been. In fact, hodling is a part of the song that I sang, the startup or the yeah. Bitcoin hustle. Yes, that. We actually left just before that, but Jessie got some on her Instagram oh, yeah, feed. Yeah, we've got a big thing about hodling. I, I wrote that the lyrics and and I sang it over here with uh, Kelly James, and we had a great time. Anyway, he, he created the song, I created the lyrics, and Can we so we're have all it? hodlers. Can we have a clip of you singing? Yeah, oh, You're well, rapping. I'm happy to send it to you. Oh, awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. right. Oh, it was fun. It was great fun. All yeah, right. I, just, I did that all before I did the, uh, the, the prediction and the mic drop. Tim Draper, everybody. Tim Draper. Fun. He's a rapper, <laughs> investor. I mean, what and else? And a mic dropper. And author, <laughs> mic dropper, all of the above. So what do you think? Is it a long dis- long-term program? Yes. What's really interesting is, I in the book I say, uh, always make sacrifice short-term for a long-term gain. And it really always makes sense because when you're trying to do something short-term, or gain something short term never really works out. You know, oh, hey, I, I'm just going to take this from you. And, and then, you know, it, does, it leaves bad taste in people's mouth. It doesn't make any sense. But if I say, okay, together we're going to work on this water and, and eventually we're going to, you know, redirect the Hetch Hetchy and make it a much better river and we're going to, you know, improve our infrastructure in California, we're going to have better water. That's something we can all get behind and we all sort of want to have happen. And so having sort of a long-term approach to everything from investing to being an entrepreneur to living your life is, uh, is definitely the way to go because it's a, it's a pretty long life. Right. And it's about making an impact too. Yes. Having, having a, a long-term goal too is very important. And Thinking about your entrepreneurial venture as something that uh, has to be around in 15 years is always a good, it's a good exercise. You have a, you have a good company, but are you doing something that's going to just be good for a couple of years here? Or are you going to be able to do something that's really going to take us to a, to a place way out there uh, and make, make the world a better place? So like, what are you doing with your media business? You're doing all these long-term, you know, short-term sacrifices. So long-term, you're going to have a big audience, and you can be big, have a big influence, really improve the world. 
Well, yeah, that's the Bad Crypto Podcast for you. We've got a big audience, but we're still a new podcast. Um, In your book, you talk about... Yeah, Forbes is a little different approach, but... Right, right. It's still long. (laughs) They've got to stay long term, too. They've got to be thinking what's going to be out there. Exactly. They want to be good at predicting, too, because otherwise people stop reading. Right. Good point. So in your book, you talk about heroes. You read my book too. Yes, <laughs> I we, love we this. Both have read your book, you and we're awesome. We're very excited because you talk a lot about heroes and startup heroes. But how do those terms relate in in the world of crypto? Like, are the hodlers the heroes, and who are the villains? You know, you don't talk about villains. Are though. they the I don't regulators? Talk very much about villains. <laughs> well. Regulators, uh, if they are light touch regulators, they're heroes too. But if they are heavy handed and they're saying, oh, we regulate this thing. And so now there's this new thing. We've got to regulate that. I think that's the wrong approach to regulation. So it's like, hey, we regulate IPOs. So let's regulate ICOs the same way. Well, an IPO is a $4 billion business with thousands of employees and it's not that big a deal to fill out a few forms for an ICO they're just starting they're just starting to get going and they don't you know and they're it's usually two girls and a dog and they're just getting going they're figuring it out and here we're going to do an ICO well really do we want to spend our first 10 million dollars on lawyers so that we can regulate to get you know so that we're we're well protected from this dark cloud that stands over us or do we want to um, just fill out a quick form with, you know, with a, a con- country that's less regulatory heavy? Anyway, uh, you got me going on that. But what's a hero? Hero takes a uh, a, a long view. A, a it's sort of a long shot at a at a low probability outcome, but it's a big outcome. So it's something that may or may not happen. It's like Elon Musk saying, we're going to Mars. And if we're going to, he says we're going to Mars, the likelihood of that happening in the next few years is pretty low. But if it happens, what a hero he he ends up being. What an extraordinary thing to have stood out there alone saying uh, we're going to Mars. And then then 95% of us were just kind of going, oh, that's crazy. And then but a few of the best engineers in the world say, I want to help that guy get to Mars. So that's that's the kind of hero we're kind of looking for. It's somebody who takes long odds at some extraordinary outcome. Okay, so in the ICO world, who are the heroes? I actually think that the heroes are anyone who's kind of putting their neck out there and creating something, whatever it is, a new kind of coin or a new token that does something exciting for us or or something that's tied to the blockchain that improves healthcare, or something that transforms government in some way or another, makes it more uh, of a virtual thing. Governments really should be virtual and they should compete for you, for us, all of us. And I think that that's, that's the kind of hero that I'm looking for. I'm looking to back. I'm looking to back a hero that has the energy and excitement to try to transform some industry or another because he is he or she has identified a technology that might just be able to take on the big behemoth the, the big monopoly right hear that guys 
Tim Draper is looking for new ICO heroes. (laughs) (laughs) And he's giving you advice on how to be one. Well, you're a hero in a sense because you're going along with Bitcoin. I love your Bitcoin tie, by the Thank way. Thank you very much. Yeah, so yeah. I, you fun. know who gave this to me? Who was um, I, I? Some high school guy, nice high school guy, came to me and he said, um, "Hey, will you come and speak to our uh, investment club?" And I was thinking, "Oh, what fun! I'm going to go to a high school and speak to the investment club." And I. Just as I was on my way over there, he said, well, the word got out and the whole school is going to be there. And so anyway, I spoke to the whole school and then he awarded me this tie. And it says Amador Valley Investment Club. Yeah, Rahul. He's a good man. Really bright guy. He has really interesting theories on Bitcoin and what it's going to be worth down the road. And it might be similar to what I was predicting. I, we haven't really compared notes for a while, but I think it probably is. Well, what made you decide to invest in Bitcoin in 2014? Well, so I invested in Bitcoin in 2012. Oh, my bad. <laughs> no, no, I did it. No. Twice? And then, yeah. Um, and I did it then because uh, there was this Korean guy and he came to me and he said, hey, I'm, and it was, that was in 2004 or something. And he said, hey, about half of Korea is playing this game. And one game, it was called Legend or something. And he said, yeah, and so it's such a big deal. We're kind of living in this virtual world. It's such a big deal that I, I hired a guy to be my avatar when I'm at work so that I could advance in the game. <laughs> and I got, I, I thought, wow, this is interesting. They're all living in this virtual world. And I thought, well, maybe it's quirky to Korea. It's or like Snow Crash. Right. So then I started to think, wait a second. And then he said, oh, and I'm buying my son a sword for $40. And I thought that was a non sequitur. But he was talking about a virtual sword. And so he's using fiat money for a virtual sword. And then I thought, wow, that's interesting. We could have a whole economy in this virtual world. And so I was watching, watching, watching. And then Bitcoin came along. And there was a and, and I said, this is huge. This is great. And I backed the first Bitcoin company, which, uh, well, I think it was the first called Coin Lab. And they took um, and, and I also said, hey, OK, and go get me some of that Bitcoin. Here's two hundred fifty thousand wow. dollars. So he took that and some other money and he said, OK, I'm not going to get you the coin, but I'm going to make an ASIC so that we can mine the coin and so we can get it much cheaper. So he he goes and he designs and creates this ASIC and hands it off to this group, Butterfly Labs. Well, Butterfly Labs took the ASIC after it was designed and mined for themselves for a long time before they they finally said, oh, okay, now we'll give it to you. So it it was delivered about six months late. So Bitcoin went from six to 36 during that time. Well, anyway, he mined some Bitcoin and he stored it at Mt. Gox. Mt. Gox was at the time the biggest exchange in uh-huh. the world and biggest Bitcoin exchange in the world. And then, of course, Mt. Gox disappeared the money and we lost the whole thing. Oh, really? Yeah. So then oh. I thought, oh, that's the end. I thought, well, whatever. We gave it another shot. Yeah. And it was just another loss. And but then Bitcoin only dropped about 15 percent on that news. You would think it would have gone to zero. Mm-hmm. I thought that was the end of the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it just dropped 15 percent. Then it went up the next day. And I thought, oh, the biggest exchange just collapsed mm-hmm. and they're still going. So I thought 
they really need this. The world needs this. And then I thought about who, who needs it? The unbanked. If you, if you go to the bank here and try to open an account for you know, $12, they say, well, forget it, go away, because it's gonna cost $200 a year just to regulate you. And so why would I take an account for $10 when I have to just keep throwing money into regulation? So I thought, wow, there is a real need there in um, the unbanked. So that's like 3 billion people that are a part of the world economy. So I, um, when there was this interesting, I was buying a little bit of Bitcoin along the way, but when there was this opportunity to buy a lot of Bitcoin from the U.S. Marshal's office that had been confiscated from the Silk Road guys, I thought, wow, this is really an interesting opportunity. And there were about 19 bidders and I knew most of them and I knew what they were sort of thinking. They were all going to bid below market. So I thought, well, I'll just bid above market. And we'll see what happens. They, they thought they'd get a quantity discount. And I thought, well, I'll just bid above market. And I got the entire, all nine lots, which wow. was more than I kind of thought I was going to get. But I thought, well, okay, I've bought it. And now there's so much interesting, so many interesting things I can do with it. Uh, and so I got very excited about it. Bitcoin uh, has, uh, and then I looked so stupid. It was 632 when I bought it. It slid straight down to 180. And when it was about 300, still sliding down was when I made my prediction that it was going to be 10,000 in three years. And everybody said, oh, he's just, he's not only stupid, but he's crazy. And they're right about both. But I but somehow <laughs> we hit the 10,000 in three years. It was exactly on the number. And so then all of a sudden I was the, you know, the, Visionary. You're the hero. You yeah, because you made whatever. the prediction. Because I made right. the prediction, like I was right. Which and I was, I made the prediction on air, and then so then they showed it on air. So it was like I've not only predicted it, but it's like videotaped. Wow, there. proof. Yeah, total proof. So we've had a lot of fun with it, and um, and I didn't make any predictions after that for a long time because I thought, well, let's just let it all settle out, and then I thought, okay. Uh, it's time for another prediction, and I wanted to introduce my book. Oh yeah, we got it for uh, so the startup hero. Few, yes. had, this is the how to be a how to be the startup hero, and uh, and so if you want to go start something, you know, here it is. This is that you got to read this. It's your textbook. It is the textbook, and uh, and it's what what drives us now at Draper University. Yeah. And the reason I felt like I could write a book was that I taught at Draper University for so many years. I thought. I'm starting to repeat myself. Yeah. Hmm. Why don't I just write this down, let them read it. They don't even have to put up with me in the classroom. But I'm still teaching. We'll see. Well, it's the perfect time to make your prediction because of the launch of your book. How did yeah, you absolutely. come up with that number, 250 by 2022? 2022, yeah. So uh, so that's about four years out. And the, one that, the prediction that got me to 10,000 was they are going to make it easy enough to use so that anyone can start trading it and they can use it for a store of value and people will say, okay, that's something I can get behind. And that was the beginning. Now I actually think people are gonna be able to spend it on the street uh, and it'll be in, in a car, a credit card kind of thing or, or off your phone, you'll be able to spend your Bitcoin. Uh, and so then I thought, okay, well then it starts replacing fiat currency. 
So right now there's about $80 trillion worth of fiat currency. So 80T. And, uh, and the, the cryptocurrencies, I believe, will expand that market. So I, I think that the cryptocurrencies will, uh, will eventually grow to maybe $100 trillion and fiat currencies will fall from 80 trillion maybe down to 30 trillion because we won't really want to use a currency that's not not as flexible or global or decentralized or secure as these new currencies are and so people will move away from fiat currency fiat currencies are uh, are like the dollar or the yen or the euro and but all the great engineers are now working on the cryptocurrencies, and so they're the ones that are going to move the world. And uh, and so we as a society will be much more successful and more prosperous because currency will not have as much friction to it. Uh, it's just like moving from shells to gold, or gold to the promise of gold, or promise of gold to the full faith and credit of the U.S. government. Now you're on to something new, which is a currency that is created where the trusted third party are about 200,000 people watching over each one of those uh, trades or changes. So we now have a, an amazing, big, huge market to go after. And I predicted that maybe Bitcoin would end up with maybe a 20% to 30% market share and I sketched those out. So I, I think the asymptote is somewhere around 130 trillion, but only maybe 100 trillion will be crypto. And then maybe 20% of that might be Bitcoin. Well, it's going to take 10 or 15 years to get to that asymptote. Uh, so I'm thinking that along the way, we're going we're gonna to have Bitcoin at 250,000 by 2022. Now, that was one way I looked at predicting it. Another way was that it is a network effect. So if I have Bitcoin and no one else does, it's worthless. If I have Bitcoin and you have Bitcoin and we both recognize it, then we have one connection. If we bring in Rachel and then the three of us have Bitcoin, then there are three connections and it grows. It's the square of how many nodes there are in the network. It's Metcalf's law. So as right now there are 40 million dollar I mean 40 million bitcoin wallets I think that number will continue to grow and so will the value of bitcoin by the square of that and uh, and then I have one a third way that I looked at valuing bitcoin and that was it's in the spirits I huh? just feel it Oh you, you feel, feel it, it yeah. okay <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm feeling it. I'm really feeling Bitcoin too. But do you really think that fiat is over? Is this, I, are we going to see the end of fiat? I think we, I think what we're going to see is fiat will look like um, carrying around change. So you'll go in and try to buy coffee with fiat and the barista will laugh at you because they're going to say, well, you know, what What are you trying to give me here? But they'll still take it. Yeah. It's like I'm still taking quarters and dimes and nickels. But do, do you really have to buy this with quarters and dimes and nickels? Wow. Right. I, because it's going to be there's still there's so much more friction to fiat currency than there is to cryptocurrency. And I think you'll be able to buy it with 
Bitcoin or Ether or Bitcoin Cash or any number of different uh, cryptocurrencies and just do it on your phone. Or by then it might be all in uh, AR, might be in augmented reality. And we, we just sort of blink twice and we... Well, let's hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Or else you'll be like, made you blink, but... um, (laughs) Made you blink twice. (laughs) Here's another coffee. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) Don't close your eyes. (laughs) Do you have any advice for crypto beginners? Because this is for the crypto curious, the bad crypto podcast. The way I look at it is, um, I think just get involved a little. So go, go buy a little Bitcoin on... Coinbase or, or put some crypto on a ledger. A ledger is just like a, a USB port that uh, has little uh, device on it so that you can um, you can give it a password. It's very simple. Is that a hardware wallet? Yeah, it's yeah. a hardware okay, wallet. So if you're worried about somebody taking your crypto, right. you, you can actually put it in on a ledger. And so that can take down anything. That can take down Credo or Tezos or whatever. That can go on a on a, a ledger. And then when you pull that ledger out and you're holding it in your hand, you suddenly kind of think, wait a second, why why am I paying for all these big bank buildings and all those employees mm-hmm. when I can actually control my own money? It's yeah. right here. It's in my hands. Yeah. And you start to wonder, wait, maybe these big bank buildings are are like the buildings you see in Las Vegas, where, you know, where my son asked, well, you know, oh, he said, I'm going to, oh, I'm going to make so much money in Las Vegas. I said, see all those big buildings? Those were built on the backs of people like you who said they were going to make money in Las Vegas. It's the same kind of thing. You're, you're handing banks money. They're risking that money. They're making money on your money. And they build those big buildings and hire all those people. We, all you need is a USB port and you can hold all your money right there. Right. And then you can invest it yourself. Right. It's in your control. I mean, for once, which is really revolutionary. Yeah. Yeah. So getting started, it's very easy. Uh, the, just go to Coinbase uh, as a first start. They have a very simple way of getting on. And uh and then you can buy there. You can buy Bitcoin and Ethereum and Bitcoin Cash and Litecoin. Uh, if you then want to go explore and get a little more, uh, you know, adventuresome, uh, you can get one of these ledgers and you can start buying uh, these these more uh, obscure different cryptocurrencies. Right. Do you teach a course on this here at Draper University by well, any chance? Well, we did. Uh-huh. We did. We. Um, what's really funny is Draper University is set up for heroes. It's set up for entrepreneurs who really want to go forward and do something extraordinary. And so people will come to Draper University and get that hero training. But, um, and that's in the fall, It's. I mean, in the summer, it's like a five-week program, and then it's four months in the fall. And, but in the spring, we have these other executive programs. And the other executive programs this year included uh, blockchain intensive. And it was really extraordinary. We got great ratings on it and people really uh, learned a lot. Uh, it, had, uh, it was a way that people could really intensively learn for about five days and even create their own coin. Wow. And do, by the way, you can create a coin in an hour. 
It's oh. not hard. Okay. You create a Rachel coin. Wow, we saw the so rhino coin. We did, yeah, we yeah. saw the rhino coin. Well, our coin. rhino coin was yeah. put together very quickly. Yeah. Oh, it's wow. like in an afternoon. Um, speaking of blockchain, is it really the new internet? Okay, it's much, much bigger. Uh, the, the internet uh, really did affect a lot of people. It got a lot of people involved in the world economy. Uh, but the blockchain has the potential to transform and the internet transformed what communications information through google or bing or whatever gaming all those games they were much more interesting on the internet all sorts of entertainment music all all sorts of things got affected by this those were good size industries really good sort of tens to hundreds of billions of dollars industries well now the blockchain has the potential to transform industries that are, have uh, historically been government regulated because they're so big. So banking, finance, investment banking, venture capital, real estate, insurance, uh, healthcare, and government itself all can be completely transformed by this blockchain because it is the perfect ledger. It is the trusted third party. It's that source that we all go to for security and safety. And I feel much better, I feel much safer with my Bitcoin than I do with my fiat in Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo gets hacked all the time. It's like whack-a-mole trying to keep people away. Totally, oh yeah. And no one's ever cracked so far uh, the Bitcoin uh, blockchain. Yep, it's really good technology. Okay, well, that pretty much wraps it up, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so. You heard it first from Tim Draper, bigger than the internet. I'm Sarah Austin with Rachel Wolfson. And this is the Bad Crypto Podcast. Stay bad, everyone. Tim, tell them to stay bad. Stay bad, baby. Stay bad. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> All right, I'm well, that pretty much wraps it up for episode 120 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. I'm Sarah Austin. And I'm Rachel Wolfson. And we are the Crypto Chicks. We are the Bad Crypto Chicks. I guess we are. <laughs> We're the Bad Crypto Chicks. So you guys, I hope you all stay bad. Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.